Welcome to the Reclaimed Recovery Podcast, where men are banding together to overcome porn. If you're struggling with porn, our podcast is going to help you rewire your brain and overcome the shame so you can move on with your life and live porn free. So this is about becoming porn resilient. I'm your host, Colton Thomas. Welcome to episode nine. And today we are covering testosterone part two after taking a little bit of a break. Some of you guys know that I'm in grad school right now for counseling. And when winter break hit, which is my longest break all year, I really needed a break. So I took a break and I was still working in Reclaimed. I was still meeting with men one-on-one in our program. I was still writing, but the podcast took a break. And so now I'm really excited to be back with you guys. And to get started really quick, I want to recap what we talked about in our last episode. So in episode eight, which was testosterone part one, we talked about some of the basic science behind testosterone. And as a sex steroid hormone, what kind of role does it play in our day-to-day health? Talked about how it supports muscle growth and muscle mass, it supports sex drive. It can affect our mood. It can affect our temperament. It's been associated with aggression and competitiveness. And we're going to talk about even more in this episode what testosterone does, what it affects, and how it works in our body. And we talked about how testosterone levels can really range from man to man. And we reflected some on what that means. What could that mean for us? How could that be useful information for us? And the question is, why would different men be designed to function on varying amounts of testosterone? If, you know, testosterone is seen as something really important, but why aren't we all more similar in the amounts of testosterone we have? And there are multiple angles that you can take to that question. But one that we talked about a lot in the last episode was this idea that testosterone and oftentimes the advantages that it gives gets really praised and idolized in our culture as being super important to masculinity. But we talked about how testosterone doesn't get to write your story when it comes to being a man or manhood or masculinity. We talked about how you are so much more than just the level of testosterone in your body when it comes to just being able to have self-confidence. And we talked about things like courage and bravery and the ability to lead yourself or, or family or others. It comes down to so much more than just testosterone, even though testosterone is really important and it's important to men's health. It's really important to us. And so I think it's important to understand a lot about it but it's not the only thing that matters. That was a big point from our last episode. And of course, the way that this all relates to pornography is that we often turn to pornography in our dissatisfaction or discontent with life, you know, and we may turn to different genres due to certain insecurities and deep down pains and desires that we have. And so if we allow the amount of testosterone we have in our body or lack thereof to write the story or narrative for us, then that can determine how enticing porn might be to us at any given moment because porn often represents power and a feeling maybe of masculinity that underneath the surface is weak and fake and shallow. But sometimes when we're in it, we just can't see it. And so I hope that this podcast and these few episodes here about testosterone can help us think deeply and reframe some of these things in a really helpful way and in a way that encourages you. So this episode, here are some of the main things that we're going to cover. We're going to talk a little bit more about what testosterone does. We're going to cover some things we didn't in the last episode. Then we're going to talk about what can have an influence on our testosterone levels. Okay, so what we're going to do to get going here is talk about what else testosterone does. What other roles does it play? And an interesting thing that we didn't cover in our last episode is that testosterone actually plays a role in reducing stress and anxiety. So in humans, there's good evidence to show that testosterone can reduce 
uh, anxiety and encourage competitive interactions. So the way that this works is that testosterone interacts with a part of the brain called the amygdala, which is responsible for fear and threat detection and determines what's scary and what's way too much for us. Testosterone binds to the amygdala and it changes the thresholds for stress. So testosterone can make effort feel good by lowering stress and anxiety. I'm going to say that again. Testosterone can make effort feel good by lowering stress and anxiety. And I think an important point to make here is that guys typically think of more testosterone as a disadvantage when it comes to trying to control their sexual behaviors and being tempted by pornography and other things. But if more testosterone is lowering our stress levels, that could actually help it could help because, you know, a lot of times we're driven towards pornography, towards an escape by our stress, by anxiety. And so having more testosterone and having less stress and anxiety and less fear about, you know, the future and putting an effort towards really difficult things, that's actually going to help us. So just something to think about. And it's also important to note that Testosterone and dopamine are closely related. They tend to correlate. And together, they affect so many things in the brain, in the body, our emotions, our mood, our threshold for anxiety, our willingness to pursue things, how good effort feels. So like if we're going to keep exercising and stick with exercising, like how that's feeling to us, um, man, just so much really rides on these important hormones. So again, um, that's why we're exploring this because there's a lot of controversy and misinformation about testosterone as we're soon going to see. But now I want to shift our attention to what kind of things can influence the levels of testosterone in our body. So I'm going to list off a few things and these are interesting. One is that it's been found that competition itself can increase testosterone. Competition can have a powerful influence on sex steroid hormones and vice versa. That's really interesting. So just competing in something can increase your levels of testosterone, whether you win or lose. In the long term, if you keep winning, this might increase your testosterone even more. So this idea of like competitiveness in men. And I think a lot of times when we think about men who have a lot of testosterone, we're thinking like they need to be alpha male. They hate to see other men doing better than them. They're always competitive. And I think that we can agree that there is a certain element to that that's really unhealthy. It can go too far, right? We think of someone who's really self-centered or narcissistic because everything's a competition and they have to win. And if someone else is beating them, then they can't be happy. They can't be happy for someone else who might be doing better than them. And obviously that is being competition driven to such a high degree that it's going to hurt you more than it's going to help you. But there's actually ways to incorporate competition into your life that are actually going to help you be healthier and that are going to be good for your hormones for your levels of testosterone in your body. And there's real scientific evidence to support it. What does this mean for us? Well, I think that this makes a really great argument for the importance of healthy competition. Some of us don't like competition. Some of us maybe used to compete in high school and we had really bad experiences with sports. Uh, I had some bad experiences with that. And then as a result, we might avoid putting ourselves in competitive environments. But I can't tell you how much better I feel now that I've started 
started playing some pickup basketball again with some friends who, you know, all show good sportsmanship, but it's also really great and healthy competition. And I feel energized from that, but I had gotten away from it for years and just this year got back into it and haven't missed a week because it's really made a difference in my energy levels and my health. So I encourage you guys find something like that to participate in. You know, it doesn't have to be like contact sports. It doesn't have to be like what people think of as like, ah, the manly, manly of sports. I think just any competition could be healthy and could improve your testosterone levels. And so I think that's something really important to consider. Uh, moving on to our next thing that can influence testosterone, it's actually sex itself or the seeking of sex. And so interesting study was done. There was a control group who watched pornography actually, and they actually uh, measured this, who saw about a 10% increase in testosterone when they had their blood drawn. Now, people who participated in real sex saw a 70% increase in testosterone. That's seven times more. So the main point here is that testosterone increased much more during real sex and much less during the observation of sex. And I think that should tell us something too. I'm going to make an argument several times throughout this podcast that pornography is not natural. It's not healthy because it's so unnatural. Uh, I do believe in the argument that it's a supernormal stimulus, that our bodies are not meant to receive it uh, biologically or mentally or really in any aspect of our health. And when I see real concrete data about the way our body responds to real sex versus pornography like this, it just really helps bring it home and remove any doubts that might be left in my mind from people who are out there saying, you know, pornography can actually be healthy. Uh, the damage that it's doing, it's all in your mind. It's all because you're creating shame around it. It's because of our cultures, you know, what other people are saying. Maybe it's because of your religion or Christian culture. And that's the only problem with it, right? There's a lot of people out there saying it. There's doctors, there's experts out there saying this. Yet when I look at research like this, you know, it just provides another angle from which to stand objectively because I look at this research about the testosterone response in males when compared between, you know, real sex and watching porn. And then I combine that with, if you remember back to our episode on dopamine, the fact that porn can actually spike our dopamine more than real sex because porn is considered a supernatural stimulus. But what's interesting is if testosterone and dopamine are correlated, then why isn't there more testosterone being released from porn, even though it spikes our dopamine more? Again, it just makes a good argument that our bodies aren't meant for it. It is absolutely artificial. It's junk. It's like taking in artificial sugar. You know, products that have artificial sugar, your body has to pee them out because it can't process it at all. Like it comes in and it's not something that's meant for your body. And that's the way I see porn. And looking at the science, looking at these studies, it really reinforces that even more in my mind. And so I hope it's doing the same thing for you. I hope it's giving you even more fuel and ammunition to remove pornography from your life. And that's what we're all about here. Okay, so I think I've made my point here, but related to this is also abstinence. It's not having sex or not watching porn not masturbating or ejaculating for a period of time. There's a lot of controversy on the internet about whether that can increase 
testosterone and be beneficial for your health. And what's interesting, what's really interesting is some studies have shown that after remaining abstinent for a number of days, about seven days was what was coming up in the research, men can receive a boost in testosterone, which is really fascinating. However, there's a lot of studies and scientists who you know are making arguments against the way that these studies were conducted, saying that it's not conclusive enough. And it does seem like some of this research really needs to be expanded and proven more. But this is when I love to just apply some reasoning and some experience to this. And I think most of us have experienced that when we go longer without masturbating or having an orgasm, our sex drive tends to increase over time. I think we've all felt that. And if our sex drive is increasing, then it wouldn't be far-fetched to say there's probably been some kind of increase in testosterone that happens at some point. Although I think it's also important to acknowledge that testosterone isn't the only thing that contributes to sex drive. So I think that it totally makes sense that this would be reasonable to believe. And I think along with most of the scientific information I'm presenting to you guys, I'm going to ask some deeper questions here as well. Why would our bodies do this? Why would abstinence increase testosterone in our bodies? And what does that tell us? The obvious thing here would be that after not having sex for a while, you know, reproduction is one of our most basic instincts and our bodies are telling us, hey, it's time to go reproduce again. So here's a little boost of testosterone. Here's a little boost of sex drive and a little boost of motivation. I think that's one way of looking at it. But another side to this that is good to think through is that, you know, after orgasm, our body releases prolactin and that helps us kind of cool down and discourages us from having a lot of sex in a very, very short time window. And so what's interesting is our body has these natural things built in that help us kind of pace how often and when we're having sex. And I think we need to pay attention to that. I think going with our body's natural responses to things is a lot better than working against them. And I think that's just common sense. So when it comes to orgasm and masturbation, yeah, I don't think it's healthy to be engaging in that like multiple times a day and porn kind of hacks into our system as that supernormal stimulus and it creates this craving that's unnatural, right? It has this fantasizing about unrealistic sexual scenarios in our minds, but also with like real people that are around us. And that's where we run into a lot of the problems with objectifying women. And what it's doing is it's setting a very unnatural pace for how often we think about sex and how often we desire to masturbate or orgasm. And that's dangerous, right? That's interrupting a very, very natural, basic instinct and, and process that is ingrained into our systems. And science and research is showing this. We're starting to measure this stuff, and it's pretty amazing. It's remarkable. But again, do you want to go with the signals that your hormones are giving you in your body, or do you want to work against them? I think that's really what this comes down to. And I truly believe that it's always going to work out better for us if we listen to our bodies and we use the science to work with what our bodies are naturally wanting to do. I think we're going to be happier. I think we're going to be healthier. And I think the science falls in line with our other beliefs, our theology and philosophy about how porn is harmful and how we should be living our lives from a sexual standpoint as well. So to review this little section, what we've learned is that having sex, real sex, increases testosterone, but so can abstinence, but watching porn will have a small increase in testosterone that's lower than either of these, much lower. Now, here's a few more things that can influence testosterone levels. Uh, another thing is having children. So expecting fathers have almost a 50% decrease in testosterone while their estrogen doubles, okay? 
This causes cortisol stress hormones to drop almost threefold. And man, this is really interesting too. They don't know exactly how this works yet. They just know that they've measured it and it's true. But man, it's dads like knowing that they're going to have a child soon. They're going to be up all night and it's going to be more stressful and they're going to have to deal with that stress. There's actually a physiological response in males to help them parent children. And there are other reasons that people have pointed out why this change might happen in men as well, such as the fact that testosterone has been associated with more aggression and maybe less of a temperament. When it comes to being patient, when it comes to being gentle with children, this is another reason why males might experience this change. You know, another reason is that testosterone does tend to promote sex-seeking behavior, and so having less of it could be promoting men to stay at home and be faithful to their family. So I'd love to see where in science our biology and natural processes support the family unit. So I think it's really cool to stop and notice that like some of these changes in our sex hormones that happen automatically are actually happening to help support us in having a cohesive family unit. And then, of course, people joke about the dad bod, which is like your testosterone decreases and prolactin in your body increases, which signals for your body to store more fat. So that means that there's real scientific evidence to support the dad bod. And I don't know if that's a relief for some of you guys. For me, it kind of worries me because I think like, man, I haven't had my first kid yet. And that might not be super far in the future for me. Uh, Sarah and I have you know, been married for a year. We're thinking about it, but I already have a dad bod. That's the problem. So I'm like, man, am I going to double my dad bod? <laughs> am I going to double in size? Oh, man. Um, but anyways, yes, that affects testosterone levels in our body. And then so does breathing habits, sleeping habits, and light viewing behavior. So these are all things that Huberman again talks about in great depth on his podcast, but he talks about how important breathing is and that by under breathing or being a mouth breather instead of a nose breather and having poor breathing habits throughout your day and in your sleep can really affect some of these baseline levels of important hormones in your body, including testosterone. Um, He talks about how nose breathing can be trained. You can do things like tape your mouth shut, and then you can breathe more through your nose during the day and cardio exercise. Um, And he talks about how sleep and apnea, you know, have a significant impact on the appropriate testosterone to estrogen ratios. Um, This is because getting better sleep and breathing properly reduces cortisol, which, you know, cortisol is not bad. It's, It's good for helping us fight infections, but we don't want cortisol to be inflated for too long during the day or night. And when we're not breathing well, if we're really tight, um, we're not getting good sleep, we are going to have higher levels of cortisol in our body, which is going to affect these important hormones. So again, nose breathing properly, getting good sleep is all going to influence our testosterone. So something really important to consider if you haven't looked at sleep in a while and how you can improve your sleep habits, there's all kinds of things you can do. That's a whole deep subject in its own. It's a deep dive, but really encourage you to look at that if you're looking at just trying to make sure you have healthiest baseline of testosterone for you and for your body. He also talks a lot about light viewing behavior, and this is really fascinating as well, and how looking at light in the morning, when the light is at different angles in the sky even, so in the in the morning or the evening, there is concrete scientific evidence to show that our body 
responds in certain ways to seeing that light when the sun is at different points in the sky. And this ties in really closely to like circadian rhythm and how our body signals all kinds of things to happen, including the production of hormones based on the light that we see and the light at the beginning of the day when we wake up is really, really important to our bodies. Again, I encourage you to go listen to some of Andrew Huberman's stuff on that. I'm a huge believer and I've started taking it a lot more seriously and I've seen differences in the way that I feel to the point where I've worked a few simple habits into my daily routine to get more light in my eyes, especially in the morning. So one thing I do now is I immediately open the curtain every morning when I wake up to let light in through the window that's sitting at the headboard of my bed so the light comes right in and gets in my eyes and then also I make sure I walk outside for a few minutes every morning now and I do feel the difference and feel the shift in energy and you know the point of this is that I want you guys to feel good because feeling your best or as good as you can because I understand you know you may have illness or pain or something that's maybe keeping you from feeling like really good but just optimizing your hormones and the way that you feel and your mood every day is going to help you overcome pornography. It just is. And believe me, I know what it's like to spend years not really feeling well. And it's only in the last couple of years that I've been feeling a lot better from the chronic neck pain that I had, which I talked about in an earlier episode. But it's also important for us not to just be a fair weather porn resilient. And what I mean by that is there's times where we're going to be depressed. We're going to go through a hard time and we need to also be able to have self-control and overcome urges and impulses to look at porn in those times as well. But when we're healthy physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, like in all aspects of life to the best that we can be, if we're doing, especially if we're doing all the simple things right, that's really going to help us overcome a big obstacle like pornography. And so I would encourage you guys to get out there and try a couple of these things because they are low risk or no risk and low cost or no cost to try to get more light in your eyes when you first wake up or try to work on your breathing. I know they've made a big difference for me. And so if you think that these might be able to help you in your hormonal balances or imbalances, then I encourage you to go to Andrew Huberman's channel and take a deep dive on some of these subjects. You know, he's a professor in neuroscience and give these a try and let me know how it's going for you. But I also need to give the classic disclaimer that this is not medical advice. So ask your doctor and do a little research before you try any of these things. Okay. So we've covered a lot of more like natural things that can affect our testosterone. And what I've tried to do is just open up your mind to the fact that, man, there can be a lot of things influencing this and I should Maybe you should start paying more attention if you haven't been because it can really affect the way that you feel and the way that you perform. And that in turn is going to affect you if you're struggling with porn or you're just feeling depressed. This is all going to affect that in your life as well. And so if you are not doing the best that you can do in these areas, if you haven't pursued any of these, there are some really like simple things you can start trying to do to improve your overall mood, wellness and sex hormones in your body, which is going to make a big, big difference in the way that you feel. So I hope you're finding this information really, really helpful. And we are actually going to wrap this episode up here. I was hoping to get to more information in this episode, but now we're going to have a part three. So we've got another episode to look forward to, and I will see you guys in that one where we are going to address some critical or most frequently asked questions about how do porn and testosterone relate? What is the relationship between them? Can watching porn hurt my levels of 
testosterone? Can that in turn cause erectile dysfunction? So really interesting questions. It's going to be an interesting episode. Hope you'll tune in. And when we finish the next episode on testosterone, we're also going to take a break from our series on more scientific aspects and how we can get insights from that that relate to porn habits and porn addiction. And we're going to move on to other subjects, including some guest interviews. So I'm really excited for that. I can't wait. And I hope to see you in the next episode. And until then, thanks again, as always, for listening to the Reclaimed Recovery Podcast. Hey guys, if you're enjoying listening to our podcast, there's a couple quick things I would love for you to do that could really help us out. One is to leave a quick review for our podcast. This would help us reach more men and potentially help more lives. Two is to head over to reclaimedrecovery.com and check out our free training on the five shifts that we use to help men overcome pornography and overcome it for good. This training is going to go into even more depth on a lot of things that we talk about in our podcast. In the training, you can also find out more about our 10-week journey through our coaching app and online course that can help bring you that transformation you need to start living a life porn free. So if you love this podcast, you're going to love the training and other materials that you can find in our community app and on our website. Again, that's reclaimedrecovery.com and you can find the links to all of these resources and more right on our homepage.